Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! Hammer, uh, do you remember the good old days when Indianapolis <laughs> used to actually be a safe city? We'd say things like, huh? You know, there's a little bit of crime, but at least we're not like the south side of Chicago. You know, Indianapolis, yeah, there's some problems, but at least we're not Oakland. No, we're all those places and more at this point. Three men found dead in a car outside of a school here in Indy. Hmm. These are the headlines that we used to make fun of from St. Louis, from Detroit, the places Nigel mentioned. We're in that conversation now. This is who we are. And it's unfortunate. And I'm an indie lifer. And I can't stand that this city is now in the same conversation as some of those crap holes. Man, three people found dead don't in know a what car. happened. They, they, they don't know they don't know cause of death yet. I'm sure we could probably deduce. This speculate. was on the northwest side, uh 38th Street. North High School Road around 8.15 a.m. found near a Northwest Side school. Unbelievable. Like, in the fact that we come in here on Mondays and usually we recap the big stories at the weekend. Sometimes we have a crime update. A lot of the stuff is becoming numb to people. And that's how you know things oh, are yeah. not going well when stories of three dead bodies found at a school is just, eh, well, that's 38th Street. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of where this city is right now. And there's a number of reasons that you can point to how it got this way. And obviously, we hit the mayor all the time, Boss Hog set. He wants Indianapolis to be one of those cities. He wants to be so progressive that Seattle and Portland look up to Indianapolis. <laughs> wow, could you imagine? The birthplace of Chaz looking up to Indianapolis. And then there's the prosecutor, Ryan Mears. The average person that doesn't follow politics or the news cycle probably shouldn't even know the name of the prosecutor, really. But I think a lot of people know who Ryan Mears is because he's the man behind letting a lot of these lunatics back out on the street that commit heinous crimes. Well, don't forget about the leftist radical judges that agree to those sweetheart plea deals. 100% right. Elections have consequences. And Indianapolis is a very blue city. 60% registered Democrats... That's the overwhelming majority in the county, and this is why losers like Ryan Mears keep getting reelected. This is why total zeros, like Joe Hawk said, are probably going to get reelected, because people are just so wed to that D or R, sometimes an L next to somebody's name, in the rare event there's a libertarian candidate. But if everybody votes party lines, this is what you get here in Indianapolis. It's just like that church that called for the removal of of IMPD Chief Randall Taylor. Wait wait a minute. Hold on. What? You want to remove the chief? I think you're looking in the wrong place, pal. Right. Why don't you start getting out there and telling your congregation and people that follow you that that you have the platform with to maybe vote different? 
I don't see here. Like I saw this footage of this guy in Chicago telling the town council, if you don't do something about this crime and this illegal immigration, then we'll do something about it. You know, saying basically promoting vigilantism. Right. I didn't hear him exactly say, you voted for, we voted for the wrong person. We're going to vote you out next time around. They're not saying that. People that are concerned with crime in this city are not saying we are going to vote the prosecutor out. We are not going to vote the mayor out, the Democrat mayor out. We're looking at a third term for Boss Hogsett. And nobody's talking about, hey, maybe we should think about different leadership. It's remove the chief Taylor. What? You get, you get your priorities uh, in the wrong place. And Jefferson Shreve doesn't offer much of a differing opinion than Joe Hogsett. I got some hate mail, physically mailed letter to me, uh, ripping me because I think Jefferson Shreve is a loser too. And we're going to read that a little bit later on when Guy Relford joins us. I want Guy to be part of that reading. This is an anonymous letter? Yes, anonymous letter sent to me. And we'll read that on the air coming up in just a few minutes. I saw the story from CNN's website earlier today, and it's from Oakland. It's a horrific story. But you can totally see something like this coming to Indianapolis. So Oakland's having a major crime spree right now. The police, they claim they're not getting a lot of help from local officials. They're advising residents to use air horns and basically put security bars almost like a jail, on their doors and windows to help stop the crime. Robberies, burglaries, and rape are all up by double-digit percentages. Everyone we talk to says it doesn't matter your race, your income, everyone seems to be a target, including carjackings. Now they're carjacking people at stop sign, and my son is about to start driving. The fact that I am being pushed out because I emotionally can't take it anymore is horrible. But Tony Bird is staying. She lives with a locked front gate and five security cameras. Bird says Oakland police recommended steel braces for residential doors and air horns. The idea is if you set it off, your neighbor would hear it, set theirs off, and more people are alert that there's danger. Yeah, it's probably time to start paying attention to who you're voting for. It's 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 enough of this defund the police stuff that kicked this all this crime wave off. I mean, they've got a Democrat mayor, Feng Shao, uh, Sheng Tao. I'm sorry, in uh, in in Oakland, it's no different. Law-abiding citizens are being told to basically jail yourself in your house, while a lot of these repeat offenders get back out in the street in the name of equity. Equity. Oh, look, criminal justice reform. I know he's got a rap sheet longer than a CVS receipt, but in the name of equity (laughs) and in the name of criminal justice reform, we don't want any riots. So we're going to let this lunatic back out on the streets. There comes a point in time where the voting community has to step up like advertisers are now noticing the backlash of what's being called the silent majority. Bud Light saw what happened when you tick off the silent majority to the point to where they're done with it. Country music is hearing from the silent majority right now. 
you know, if you're going to try to rip on Jason Aldean, we're going to make him the number one song in America. We're going to lift up this no-name guy who's talking about politicians in Washington and make him the number one artist in America. The silent majority is starting to fight back, but it has to be at the ballot box, too. It can't just be with money. It's got to be at the ballot box. Now, speaking of the ballot box, President Trump on the campaign trail this past weekend, a lot of folks were in Iowa. I believe their state fair is still going on. A lot of activities. President Trump made it very clear that a plea deal is not going to happen. Is there any chance you take a plea deal in Georgia? We did nothing wrong. We don't ever take a plea deal. Yes, sir. We don't take plea deals. It's a wise guy question. Are you going to change it? It's a wise guy. We don't take plea deals because I did nothing wrong. It's called election interference. You know what that is? So Trump called the reporter a wise guy for asking if he was going to take a plea deal. And his counter was, we've done nothing wrong. Now, keep in mind, there's probably another indictment coming out relatively soon from Georgia. Yeah, that's You're talking about the phone call where he's telling a guy to to quote, and he's been misquoted here if you read the transcript. It's, it's it, it, the reporting has been, find me the votes. He's on the phone with this guy. Find me the votes. Find me the votes. That's not what he said. Quote, I just want to find 11,780 votes, which is one more than what we have when we won the state. So he very well, damn well, could have been that he's, you know, uh, desire. It's an expression to document exactly what happened in Georgia. You know what I mean? Right. And Iowa, again. I mean, find me the votes is a myth. That is completely misreported quote. (laughs) It was wild in Iowa because Trump didn't spend a lot of time there. But when he was there, it was big events and press gaggles. Ron DeSantis was trying to do an event. And this was around the same time Trump was flying out. He made his big Trump jet, like almost do a buzz the tower move (laughs) above the DeSantis event. So you've got the big Trump plane, the Donald Trump jet flying in a circle around the DeSantis event. (laughs) Pretty baller move, you got to admit. And on another stage, you've got Vivek Ramaswamy rapping to Eminem's Lose Yourself. Everybody's joking now. The clock's run out. Time's up. Oh, the plow. Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes gravity. So, he's so mad, but he won't get back. He's going back to the notes. He's going back to the notes. And the crowd seems to be into it. He's got skills. <laughs> Is this his Bill Clinton saxophone moment? I don't think enough people paid attention to the Iowa State Fair to put it into that category. Because Bill's sax moment was on Arsenio when Arsenio yeah. was hot. Right. Right. right, right, right. And uh, I don't right. know if enough people paid attention, but Ramaswamy was winning over the crowd. I'm voting for him. And Just because of that performance. <laughs> <laughs> Trump was speaking about a number of things in Iowa. Somebody, and I don't know who this was, made one of his speeches to sound like the introduction to a Seinfeld episode. Would you like to hear it? Okay. They want to ban straws. Has anybody ever tried those paper straws? They're not working too good. Right? <laughs> Has anybody ever tried, seriously, the new straws made out of paper, right? It disintegrates as you drink it. If you have a nice tie like this tie, this would have no chance. By the time you get finished, the straw is totally disintegrated. Does anybody walk around with a plastic straw? Because it's just bad. You, know, you whip it out, boom, boom. You never had to do that. 
So they want to ban straws. They said, what about the cart? What about the plate? What about the knives and the spoons that are plastic? Oh, they're okay. But the straws we got to ban. Oh, yeah. That's definitely an opening segment to an episode of Seinfeld where he's doing a com- comedy. Right. He's on the yeah, stage. Yeah, he's on stage before the show actually starts. The names that's, are popping up on the right, screen. the credits. <laughs> that is funny. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Oh, yeah! It is The Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige is here. Hello. Thank you so much for hanging out with us all throughout the afternoon. Uh, watch any of the Brickyard activity, Nige? Man, I didn't. I uh, We were getting ready for first day of school today, so we were, uh, we were up very late Saturday night uh, for a wedding downtown. Like I'm talking like in the twos and threes. Did you get on the dance floor? <laughs> was Big Nige on the dance floor? I was on the floor? dance floor a little bit. Yeah, Howdy, baby. Of course. All right. Of course. A little after party downtown afterwards. And then, the, you know, we had to, you know, get ready for school the next day. So I was unable to check out the Brickyard, even though I, it's been a big weekend out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Lots I like of these double header yeah. races. Like where they had the Indy car race on Saturday and then the big cup race on Sunday. The undercard series also racing. Uh, the IndyCar race was amazing on Saturday on that road course. Scott Dixon holding off Graham Rahal at the finish. And then the cup race in NASCAR, uh, McDowell's. Not to be confused with McDonald's. <laughs> McDowell, uh, Michael McDowell, was the winner of that race. Now, from what we're hearing, it sounds like the NASCAR series and the cup drivers are going to be doing some tire testing very soon, as early as this week at the Motor Speedway. And if that goes well, it sounds like they're going to bring back the Brickyard 400 on the Oval next year. Right on. Which is good news. I guess. I mean, which, which do you like more, though? Man, I don't know. If they can tell me that the modifications they made to the cars is going to make for better racing right. on the oval, Let's do that. I'll do that. But I want to see passing. I want a good race, right? Um, and the oval race was not that no. for the last couple of years. So if they tell me that these fixes, these next-gen cars, as they call them, make for better racing, I'm all for it. Now, the downside to that is it sounds like the IndyCar race will go away that weekend if it's on the ovals because NASCAR feels like they don't really need the novelty of bringing in the IndyCar series, among some other issues, track issues, configuration, all that kind of stuff, uh, setting up the road course compared to the oval. The IndyCar race would probably go away because they're not going to run an oval IndyCar race unless it's the Indy 500. Um, There's a new concept on TikTok called Girl Math. Now, does your wife get on TikTok? Is she on that, Nige? Uh, I think they do. She does like the shorts on Instagram. Like my kids do like YouTube shorts. They right. do not do. We do not have a TikTok account. Okay. So girl math is all about justifying frivolous spending. Uh, Here is Samantha Jones explaining the concept of girl math. 
I know we've been talking a lot about girl dinner, but I really think we should focus our attention on girl math. I got a Starbucks today that was $4.90. Anything under $5 feels like it's pretty much free. Girl math. Returned something at Zara for $50. Bought something else that was $100. It only cost me $50. Girl math. Even like tickets that I buy months in advance. I show up to the concert and I'm like, this was like a free concert, right? Girl math. Do you do this to me on purpose? <laughs> like China, these, in China, they only let their kids watch stuff about math and science and evil Americans and taking over the world. Well, this was about math. <laughs> Girl math. But it's about math. And again, the stereotypical, and they talk like this, and I bought a Starbucks for under four and $5, so it felt like it was free, basically. I bought concert tickets six months ago, and I go to the concert, and it's like, it's free? Girl math. So, Allison, let me oh. defer to you as the only girl in this room right now. Did any of that make sense to you? Um, no. I, okay. really, I was really trying to. I was trying to understand the logic. I, I, I did not. Yeah, I can't Welcome get to with TikTok. that. Welcome to TikTok. Okay. Now, to be fair, I don't understand regular math either. So... <laughs> Girl math, regular math, it's all Dutch to me. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. It's Monday Gun Day with the gun guy. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you. Stop calling your arms guns. Hammer and Nigel show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the DriveHubler.com hotline. He is a 2A attorney, a firearms instructor, and a damn fine American. Guy Relford. Guy, how are you? Man, I'm great. And thanks, as always, to our sponsor for Monday Gun Day, Premier Arms in Brownsburg. The largest selection of new, used, and historic firearms in the Midwest. And PA Jewelers located right in the store. Check them out at 3754 South Green Street in Brownsburg or PremierArms.com. So, Guy, I'm going to read a letter that I got in the mail because you and I have been very outspoken and very disappointed in the mayoral campaign of Jefferson Shreve, the Republican trying to unseat Joe Hogsett here in Indianapolis. I was ready to be his biggest ally, and then he comes out and basically wants to do all of Joe Hogsett's gun-grabbing, stuff that could never happen anyway, and he lost me basically blaming law-abiding citizens for the issues in Indianapolis. So this was the letter I got. Now, first of all, it comes with no name, no return address, nothing at it all. It didn't happen to be any white powder fallout <laughs> there. No, sir. Okay, no, good. sir. Good. It's dated August 4th, Dear Hammer. Stop ranting about the imperfections of Jay Shreve. Stop saying you won't bother to vote because you hate both candidates. Stop saying you might write in some fringe lunatic. Understand that the number one priority is to get Hogsett out and break the Democrats' hold on Indianapolis. Your continued hissy fits are helping the Democrats unless you're on the Democrats' payroll you need to get 100% behind Shreve and charge your listeners to do the same. Right now, the Democrats smile and think of you as their useful idiot, signed MAGA R. Again, no name, oh, no Ma address. MAGA R. How about that, guy? 
Well, I've gotten a bunch of that, Jason, and I'm sure you've gotten other similar communications. And listen, um, you and I are of like mind on this, and, and I, I want to be absolutely completely clear. Because I, I, I actually, same thing, I got accused of being on the hogs at payroll, quote unquote, <laughs> because because I was, uh, uh, you know, I was uh, attacking Jefferson Shreve uh, on this plan. And, and first of all, if you want to call turning your back as a Republican on the Constitution and turning your back specifically on the Second Amendment as a Republican and call that an imperfection, I'm sorry, wake up. But secondly, and here's the broader point, the broader point is that Jefferson Shreve, and, and, and you and I have used the same language, he had a puncher's chance at the beginning of this campaign because he could come in and say, look, I'm not Joe Hogsett. You know, he's failed on crime. He's failed on safety. He's failed on in all these different areas of city administration. Here's where I'm going to do better. I'm not Joe Hogsett. You don't want Joe Hogsett. You want Jefferson Shreve. And did he do that? Was that his campaign message? No. He came out and said, oh, I like a a lot of what Joe Hogsett has to say. I'm just another Joe Hogsett. When he did that, he lost any chance of winning this election. He only had a, a puncher's chance to begin with. Now he's toast. He's done. He's lost so much of his base, he can't win this election. So my criticism of Jefferson Shreve is twofold. One, is from the heart. He deserves it. He's a Republican who pledged support for the Second Amendment in 2016 and then stabbed us in the back a few years later. Secondly, I want to send a message to the next Republican candidate that when you're considering turning your back on the Second Amendment and the Constitution generally as a means of winning elections in Indiana, that is a losing strategy. And and, and somebody sent me a, a message on, on social media that said that I hope Shreve loses this election by Saddam-like percentages. And I thought that was brilliant. Uh, that, that, you know, if you remember those elections. Right. And I, I, I have I absolutely agree. I I hope he, he loses this by historic proportions, and that's not because I'm a fan of Joe Hogs. I've been no. criticizing Joe Hogs since before he was elected, and, and 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 I do it every opportunity. The point is, he lost any chance of winning. Now the message needs to be sent that Republicans cannot stab us in the back on conservative principles and expect Republicans to still show up like this idiot who sent you the letter and and hold their nose and vote anyway. And- and that's the thing, guy. This has to be a message to the Marion County Republicans. This has to be a message to the Indiana GOP. We are not going to tolerate these losers you keep trotting out there. Now, not all of them have been total zeros. I really liked Cindy Carrasco for prosecutor. I thought Absolutely. she would have had a better chance to win. She still lost by that 60-40 margin because it's 60% Democrats in Marion County. But you can't keep bringing these same washed-up political advisors to the table and expect some sort of miracle out of this. And that's what's happened here. I don't know if Jefferson Shreve always has had these liberal tendencies or if this is all the advisors that the Indiana Republican establishment has put on his campaign that's talked him into, well, the only way you can win Marion County is by selling out the people that would have your back in the first place. Because I'm telling you, guy, this just reeks of bad political consultation. It absolutely does. And, you know, I I published an article, and, and I, as far as I know, I'm the only one who's talking about this. Some other people may have picked it up from my posts. But 
the fact that that this Mark Lubbers guy, who is supposedly Shreve's chief strategist, that's how they described him in an interview uh, online that you guys and I have discussed. He came out and and he came after me and said, "Oh, um, um, gun 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 advocates like Guy Relford preach their gun religion." Talk about preaching their gun religion from the you know the gated communities of Zionsville came after me because I'm a two A advocate criticizing the fact that a Republican candidate wants to to sacrifice the Second Amendment as a means of getting elected, and I I, I was really curious about this and I was like who is this guy, and so I dug into it, and as we talked about it turns out and this is this is so amazing to me and I, I I'm really surprised not more people are talking about this this is the same guy who was Dick Luger's campaign chairman campaign manager when when he convinced dick luger over several different years to support an assault weapons ban and turn his back on the second amendment which directly led to the nra coming out endorsing richard murdoch in 2012 and led to the defeat of of richard luger who's one of the most beloved politicians in indiana history so you took a 30-year incumbent as a republican from indiana and cost him a senate seat and for whatever reason, the Republican Party hooks him up with Jefferson Shreve as a means of getting elected. Yeah. And he does exactly the same thing, stabs us in the back on the Second Amendment, and they think that's a winning strategy. When he yeah, talks about gun – I mean, when he says gun religion, that sounds like something Beto O'Rourke would say. And this that's guy is exactly advising right. the Republican – exactly right. This guy's he's advising and, Sharif on on policy when, when he mentions well, gun religion? No, exactly. And on the same point, that, that, that Mark Lovers in that same interview we're talking about called support for the Second Amendment an extremist ideology within the Republican Party. That's literally what he called it. I read that and said, oh, it's on. I mean, it, I'm sorry. You want to declare war with Guy Relford? You tell me the support <laughs> of the Constitution and the support of the Second Amendment is an extremist ideology that needs to be rooted out of the Republican Party? It's on. It's on. And hey. if these people think I'm backing down because somebody's going to attack me and go, I'm sorry, you want Hogsett's payroll? Oh, kiss it right here, pal. <laughs> and just a side note here real quick, um, not to interject or interrupt the conversation, but this anonymous note that Hammer got uh, – accusing him of being on Hogsett's payroll. When he writes Dear Hammer at the top, he didn't spell out hammer. Yeah. He drew a picture of a hammer. <laughs> Nigel's showing it on the YouTube stream right now. Okay. Right. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a small redeeming factor, but it is a redeeming factor. That, that, that's, that, that, that's well done. It is Monday Gun Day with Guy Relford joining us here on the DriveHubler.com hotline. Guy, I saw a story from a local TV station earlier, and it's a woman saying that her grandson fatally shot her nephew after a fight on the east side of Indianapolis. And the headline was basically, stop buying guns for these kids. Now, I don't claim to be the two-way scholar that you do, Guy, but this is somehow going to come back to bite the law-abiding citizens when pretty much every gun law imaginable is being broken in this situation, right? Well, that's exactly the point. And it, it's amazing to me that every time we see a situation like this where, and I don't know the specifics, but clearly someone illegally obtained a, a firearm. And, and listen, you can't 
carry a gun below a certain age. You can't buy a gun below a certain age. So if these kids, quote unquote, are carrying firearms, that's already illegal. So we have a law against that. So the idea that, oh, my gosh, you know, these bad things are happening because people are illegally carrying guns, that always turns into, and this is exactly to your point, it always turns into we need to pass more laws. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm always confused by that. My reaction is always, why don't we enforce the laws we have? Because if these people were all already breaking the law, what makes anybody think if we pass one more law that's somehow going to affect them? Yeah, I sent you guys, I don't know if you got the texts or this uh, Twitter uh, posts over the weekend, uh, but it's a big map of the United States, and it basically says, a toddler has now shot a person every week in America for two years straight. Yes, you read that correctly. And I'm thinking, well, A, crappy parents. Yes. And and B, this is a country of 350 million people. You were going to have things like this happen in a free country, unfortunately. Well, well that's, that's true, Nigel. At the same time, I will say this is an area where gun owners should do better. And, and, and I advocate this. I, you know, I wrote, I wrote a book on gun safety, and one of the points that, that I always make is that guns should be stored so they're not accessible to untrained or unauthorized persons. And that may be the burglar that breaks into your house. You don't want them having access to your gun. Or it may be a young child who's in your home. Yep. So this is an area. We don't need government intervention in this. We don't need laws to be passed that are one size fit all that, that never, ever work. What we need is, is gun owners to understand that they have a responsibility to store their guns responsibly. And, and listen, there are already a lot of examples right here in Indiana where if someone, you know, doesn't store their gun responsibly, and that's then obtained in a way that endangers a young child, those people are being are being prosecuted today under uh, under neglect statutes where they endangered that child that's entrusted to their care by, 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 by having a firearm stored inappropriately. And so those laws already exist. Those laws are being enforced um, at the same time as a matter of personal responsibility. And, and I don't ever want to shirk away from the idea that that law-abiding gun owners you know that that we have an absolute obligation uh, to be responsible in gun ownership we absolutely do that's where i think we as gun owners need to do better and and when i see that headline um and and i'm sure those statistics you know maybe yeah guy uh, i don't know what it's it's one of those gun grabber uh tweets um accounts you know and it's 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 along the same lines of guns are the number one killer of children in america where they spin the numbers well yeah oh yeah only that's that's yeah number one killer of children in america that's only when you talk about 17 18 19 year old uh, gang members shooting each other so that is that is car accident is the number one killer of children in america it has been for many years it still is um but again I, i don't want anybody listening to me to not think that that i acknowledge the responsibility of gun owners sure. to store their guns responsibly right and as a gun owner the thing that ticks responsible firearms owners off more than anything else are the knuckleheads and the morons that make it look bad for everybody else you know what i'm saying guy oh absolutely and that's why even on my show guys on saturdays i'm 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 
aggressive on going after uh, people I consider to be knuckleheads with firearms um, because it's exactly that. Every time somebody is a total knucklehead with a gun, and certainly if they endanger someone or if they hurt someone, then what's the first reaction to that? It's, oh, we need a law. So them being a knucklehead with a gun endangers my Second Amendment rights. So, yeah, I'm a 2A advocate, and, and I always will be, but I also am the, am the same guy who will pop up and go, hey, let's do better because you're endangering my rights if, if you want to be irresponsible with a firearm. If anybody wants to continue this conversation, Guy, what's the best way for somebody to find you? Man, I'm really trying to build my following through Twitter, so go in there, give me a like. It's just at Guy Relford on Twitter, at Guy Relford. Guy, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. Shelters are overwhelmed in Maui, Hammer, because of the devastation of the Maui wildfires. Approximately 1,600 people were in shelters, uh, the governor said on Sunday night. And a lot of folks without power, without a way to communicate to really the outside world. I know they're a state, but man, there's not a lot of things other than water (laughs) around Hawaii. And the most unbelievable video and pictures I've seen are these people fleeing the fire, running into the ocean just to get away from the heat and the fire. And when that initially happened a few days ago, I mean, they were in the water for a long time before they were rescued. Imagine just being out there with your kid or you had a baby or something and the smoke's still coming at you too. Right. And the death toll is in the 90s right now. I think we all know that's probably going to go up. Um, some of the areas have not really been searched yet. No, no. In fact, the police chief said just 3% of the affected areas had been searched with cadaver dogs. 3% hammer. So, unfortunately, this story is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. Officials said yesterday that the 678-acre fire was 60% contained in one area. This was the Kula fire. And another one, which was 2,170 acres, was at 85% contained. 60% of the power has been restored. Wow. And it looks like $6 billion worth of damage is the rough estimate right now. $6 billion. I'm impressed that they got 60% of the power restored. When you look at footage from uh, places like you mentioned, Lahaina, um, it's just devastating. It's gone. It's leveled. There's nothing left. So you would think if one of your states is going through this level of hardship, the president of the United States, the commander in chief would lend a sympathetic ear. However, Joe Biden was, surprise, surprise, on vacation at the beach in Delaware, Rehoboth Beach, and did a number of activities, not just sat on his ass, but rode his bike a little bit. Reporters asked him multiple times, do you have any comments on the fires in Hawaii? No comment. You mean he just didn't, he didn't say anything? 
His comment was no comment. He said no comment. Correct. He said no comment when... He acknowledged the media was there. He made eye contact with them. And then when they were shouting out questions about what's your response to these wildfires and the situation in Hawaii or Maui, no comment. Whoa. I mean, like, I'm not a political strategist. You know, I'm no Mark Lubbers. (laughs) Uh, Thank God. Even a... Even a simple, we're praying for the victims that have the full weight of the federal government. Uh, FEMA is there. We are doing everything we can in recovery efforts. I mean, does that sound like, I mean, when somebody asked the president of the United States, one of the worst, the worst wildfire in Hawaii's history. I mean, would that make sense just to say something like that, that I just said just off the top of my head? Is Joe Biden so far gone that he doesn't even know what's happening right now? Like, that's what the bar is with Joe Biden. You have to wonder if he even knows how bad it really is in Hawaii. This is a shame, man. And you got to remember, back when Katrina hit and George Bush just kind of did that flyover, that was a bad look for George Bush. One of the defining moments of his presidency. Right. Well, I mean, the Iraq War was that defining moment of his presidency, but that was that was close behind. Where are all these reporters and activists going after Joe Biden for basically giving the Heisman oh, Trophy stiff arm to Hawaii? So for every politician and Hollywood elite celebrity producer that virtue signaled with Zelensky in Ukraine, I better see you holding Biden accountable for the lack of empathy, the lack of caring for what's happening in Hawaii. I'm old enough to remember when Barack Obama finally, and I feel like against his will, endorsed Joe Biden for his presidential run. And the words he used were empathy and grace. Is it empathy to ignore what's happening in Hawaii? This is America last. He ignored what happened in Ohio with that toxic train derailment. He's ignoring what's happening in Hawaii with $6 billion worth of damage and a death toll that's soon to be over 100. Shelters overwhelmed, 1,600 people last count in shelters and hotels. But yet he's pushing for more aid to Ukraine. This is the textbook definition of America last. This is unbelievable. Like, I know I have low expectations for Joe, but this really ticks me off. So so it's not like the reporter said, hey, any comment about the people being affected by the wildfires in Hawaii, and he just didn't say anything. He maybe got into the motorcade and left. He actually said the words. Yeah, you can see it on our Twitter. Uh, Scroll down about seven, eight, nine (sighs) tweets or so. Wow. Um, But yeah, we shared this earlier today. There was a reporter... Mr. President, any comment on the rising death toll in Maui? Joe Biden, no, no comment. Reporter number two, will you come to talk about the Hawaii response, Mr. President? He just kind of looks with that stupid, my mouth open face and gets back into a vehicle. I'm sure the audio wasn't real clear, but I'm sure that's the sound he made. The follow up to the follow up question after no comment. So we retweeted that uh, earlier. Scroll down about nine, ten tweets on our feed. If you think we're making this up, it's right there. 
It's so disgusting that this is the leadership we have right now in this country. Um, We talked about this a little bit going into break. This Michigan air show crash. Oh, yeah. A retired Russian fighter jet was doing um, some aerial moves at this air show in Michigan. It's called Thunder Over Michigan, and it was near Ypsilanti. And something went wrong with the plane. And there's a bunch of videos all over social media. You can search and find it. You see the pilots, and there are two of them, eject out of the plane. And And then you see, seconds later, a giant plume of black smoke uh, where the plane crashed. You don't actually see the plane crash, but you see a giant plume of black smoke, an explosion, if you will. Here's what the audio sounded like. We pulled it from the video. Nobody was hurt. That's unbelievable. Uh, the the plane hit the ground. The fighter jet burst into a, just a raging fireball and narrowly missed an apartment complex. I uh, hit some hit some cars, but nobody were in, nobody was in them. So it was like a parking lot area. Did you say it was a, a Russian fighter jet. Yeah, Sh- a retired Russian fighter jet. Shoddy Russian piece of garbage equipment that somehow <laughs> exploded. I mean, these air shows, this isn't the first time that this has happened there. Probably not going to be I would love to go to the an last air show. time. I mean, have you ever been to a Grissom Air Force air show? Air Force I have Space? not. I've driven by Grissom. Oh, but yeah. I, I would love to see one of those shows. It was a number of years ago out of the Motor Speedway. They had like the Red Bull Jet Racing. That's right. Which was kind of wild. I've seen that. Yeah. So, yeah, man. Somebody was looking after those people in Michigan. Pilots are safe. Sounds like everybody on the ground is going to be safe. Nobody injured. I mean, that could not have gone any better considering the circumstances. Every Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Rock and roll. Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I will run some stories by you. You will be the one that breaks down all the information. You're going to weigh out the pros and the cons and give us the verdict. Is the story anything or not? Finally, we have heard from the crazy plain lady. Now, for those of you who might not recall who we're talking about here, this was about a month ago. This was this woman on an American flight who claimed somebody wasn't real. I'm telling you, I'm getting the off, and there's a reason why I'm getting the off, and everyone can either believe it or they cannot believe it. I don't give two f***s, but I am telling you right now that motherfucker back there is not real <laughs> and you can sit on this plane and you can die with them or not i'm not going to 
so, so we've heard food hurt. Have you seen the memes, by the way? Like somebody drew a picture of her, this scene, and pointing to people. That mother effer is not real, full of, the, in the planes full of people that aren't real, like uh, the Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot, and the unicorns are sitting there in the plane. Right. <laughs> Genius. You know, I don't condone it, but after the Colts draft pick, Anthony Richardson threw a very early interception, I saw... <laughs> I saw no. the memes of people saying, oh, no. that dude is not real. That wasn't even his fault, was it? <laughs> oh, so no. The woman has been identified as 38-year-old Tiffany Gomez. She's a Dallas, Texas marketing rep, and she put out a very emotional video. Hi, everyone. It's me, Tiffany Gomez, probably better known as the crazy plain lady, which <laughs> is completely warranted. First and foremost, I want to take full accountability for my actions. They were completely unacceptable. Distressed or not, I should have been, I should have been in control of my emotions, and that was not the case. My use of profanity was completely unnecessary, and I want to apologize to everyone on that plane, especially those that had children aboard. We all have our bad moments, some far worse than others, and mine happened to be caught on camera for the whole world to see multiple times. Sorry, I'm trying not to sound like Minnie Mouse. Well, it has been really comical for everyone, um, and I yes. highly enjoyed so many of the memes. On the flip side, it is very invasive and unkind, and I don't know what I would do without the love and support of my friends and family. I hope that I can use this experience and do a little bit of good in the world, and that is what I intend to do. I hope that you guys can accept my apology and I can begin to move on with my life. Mm, I don't think this is anything. I don't know if I'm buying it. I think she's maybe looking for a payday, some exclusive interview, one-on-one -on -one interview. Notice she didn't make any reference to what set her off exactly. Right. She didn't make any reference to any uh, alcohol or pills that she may or may not have ingested prior to the flight. Uh, it ends, it, I don't know, it ends with some message about mental health, which is fine, but I, I, I don't buy it. I don't buy that she lives in a $2 million mansion in Dallas either. You don't I, buy I, that? I, I, don't, I don't buy any of it. And really, if this lady wanted to be left alone, she wouldn't have even had to, she, she wouldn't have done what she did, posted a, uh, an apology. I bet she's got some PR rep now working behind the scenes, slowly but surely, methodically. Uh, going to build up her um, influencer status somehow with social media. Would this even still be a big deal if she wasn't hot? Because the crazy plain lady <laughs> is an attractive woman. Yeah, as Rob Kendall said, she's put together very well. She is put together yeah. very well. And had this been somebody that looks like the off spring of Joy Behar and Toby Keith, <laughs> do you think we would be having this conversation? <laughs> Uh, I don't know, man. There's a people are suckers. There's a lot. Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. Probably not. If this I, woman looked like a foot, would we care <laughs> whether or not she was going to be putting out an apology? Uh, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Is this anything? A California handyman who helped 
remove squatters from his mom's house has expanded his service to others. One of the great names of all time, Flash Shelton, (laughs) says that he will physically move in with squatters and make them so uncomfortable they'll end up leaving the property. He has also provided consultation for squatter removal over Zoom. Here is a clip of wow. him removing some illegal tenants. They tell me that there's people here and that there's furniture in the house. And who's telling you that? that the realtors. That there's people here. Yeah. So neighbors tell me that they see people coming in and the lights on. Well, that would not be neighbors us. There, neighbors there, neighbors there, neighbors there, neighbors there. That would there. never be us. And those are the ones that have been calling me, telling me. It all has to be out before I leave. I've got guys scheduled to come take the stuff out later today. So either you take it out or I have to take it out and put it out on the driveway until it gets picked up. So so if they don't leave when he's asked them to leave, he effectively moves in with the squatters and does all these things to make them feel uncomfortable so they'll leave? Allegedly. I can imagine, I can imagine what he's doing. Walking around naked. Treating his body like an amusement park. Pooping on the floor. Isn't that what squatters do already, though? Right. I still don't know why a squatter would leave. If the options are being outside in the elements or being inside with some a-hole, I'm inside with an (laughs) a-hole for four hours of radio every day. You don't see me throwing a fit. Hey, now. Watch out. (laughs) Is this anything? The song Cotton Eye Joe. The old song, the remake. Let me turn Started a long time ago. Started blasting from the speakers right in the middle of a tennis match on Saturday. So the action was going on. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you hear Cotton Eye Joe kick on, and everybody kind of stops. Oh wow! Cotton Eye Joe just came on mid rally. <laughs> Texas agenda. What a moment. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. I've never had that happen, let alone with Cotton Eye Joe. I was like, is this really happening right now? Of all the songs, it was just like, what is going on? That was, I believe, the winner of the Canadian Open and semifinal. Jessica, I think you pronounce her last name, Pegula. What's the problem with Cotton Eye Joe? That's I've, a great song. I played that on the on the bear all the time. That's a classic. It still holds up at weddings. Uh, you still hear it in stadiums. And I think if the Savannah Bananas baseball team has taught us anything, if you're in the middle of a game uh, and a song like that comes on, everybody should just stop and start dancing. You have <laughs> no to swing. Right. You have to start swinging your partner, <laughs> dosy doing them. I want to see that kind of thing happen. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. So funny to me, Hammer, watching these left-wing, open-border, progressive Democrat leaders of, uh, of blue cities meltdown when illegal immigrants show up on their doorstep. For years now, uh, guys like well, Mayor, mayor Adams hasn't been the uh, mayor of New York for years, but he's you know he was one of those guys 
We're a sanctuary city. We welcome everybody. Beetlejuice Sh- in Chicago. Chicago, D.C., um, California. I mean, we're virtue signaling from the hilltops that we are sanctuary cities. Come one, come all. Open borders. And when they actually get to their doorstep, I mean, a perfect example is Martha's Vineyard. Boy, <laughs> which all those gigantic 50,000 square foot mansions there you know, that are worth tens of millions of dollars, those are second homes to the, some people. And they, all they of those folks it, voted left, too. All they of them all voted, voted left, blue. All of them voted left. And when, and when the illegal migrants got there, uh, everybody freaked out. Right. Everybody said, well, we, what do you mean? We can't. But you're a sanctuary city. No, well, but we can't take these. We go, they need to go somewhere we else. We want you to be a sanctuary we city. Have, like when you hear the, when Mayor Adams New York City say, we don't have enough room for these people. Do you think a border town? And Texas does right. That's what they've been dealing with for years. The system down there is not designed to handle the influx of illegals that are coming through because of Joe Biden's policies. Check out this council meeting they had in Massachusetts, where the leaders of the state are now asking the residents to just take in some of these migrants. Just take them in and do your part. Now it's your problem. If you have an extra room or suite in your home, please consider hosting a family. Safe housing and shelter is our most pressing need. Become a sponsor family. You can contact the Brazilian Worker Center for more information on how you can step up if you're willing to have an additional family be part of your family. If you're a local official, a college president, a business owner, or a faith leader with an available building or space in your community, please work with us to offer it as a shelter site. If you're a social service provider, please consider becoming an emergency assistance homeless shelter provider. Our resources are stretched thin there as well. And if you're a hotel or a motel owner, consider opening it up for emergency assistance. Everyone has something they can offer. If you're a former president of the United States that spent $15 million on a giant mansion <laughs> that would sleep 100 people, please get a hold of us right now. I think any of those people in Martha's Vineyard are, are raising their hands to accept what most likely would be a, a military-aged illegal immigrant that doesn't speak English into their house. Give me a break. You people are hypocrites. I feel like if this is what is going to go down here, we should have to look at the records. Anybody that voted for this crap, you're the ones that get stuck with them. If you voted to allow open borders, if you voted for Joe Biden, then by God, you are the ones that will be in charge of taking care of it. If you think this is not such a problem and it's fine, just open the border up, then get ready, Bow. Here comes a family (laughs) moving into your living room. I don't look. I mean, family's one thing, but a lot of these guys are single, military-aged males that have no family whatsoever that just crossed the border, claiming some sort of asylum that shouldn't count. Economic asylum is not uh, a legitimate uh, asylum claim here for the United States. You, I just, I mean, there's thirty thousand people a month that are that are getting on an app and coming through what they call legal pathways. And the yeah. app is a joke anyway. It's designed to just let as many people in as possible, and they know these folks are never going to come back for their court date. They know this. The app is a joke. So if you voted for all of this, if you're somebody that said orange man bad, then you're up. You get to the top of the line. You're the first ones to get to take these folks in. If not, then maybe you think about your vote 
next time around. Um, Libs of TikTok, one of our favorite social media accounts. Didn't we talk to the person that runs that? Hiya. Yeah, 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 we had her on the show a couple weeks back. Um, <laughs> there's this video going viral that was originally posted to Libs of TikTok. It's this doctor, Dr. Joe Court. He claims that a straight man can be attracted to a trans woman who still has a crank okay and he's still 100% straight because trans women are real women and it doesn't matter what's in their pants straight men are attracted to trans women who haven't had bottom surgery this is very disconcerting and confusing to women when they find this out because they think well if she hasn't had bottom surgery then and you want to play with that part of her then you can't be 100% straight but that doesn't make sense because you have to remember that these are still women trans women are women they are female the attraction to her is from the waist up, but it can also be from the waist down. And they can experience pleasure playing with that person from the waist <laughs> down. But that act, again, doesn't indicate a sexual orientation. It indicates an attraction to the person, to what? the woman, the trans woman. Doesn't matter what's in their pants. Is that yeah. guy for real? I, I got news for you. It matters what's in their pants. Right. Sorry. It does. Sorry to me. Yeah, it matters what's down there. Now I look. I've seen trans women that I couldn't tell at all if they were a guy. But if you drop their britches and there was Big Jim yeah, and the twins, like that's a deal breaker, though, right? Ace Ventura, sure. <laughs> Say hello to Captain Winky. <laughs> yeah, that's a deal breaker. That's, that's a real doctor, Doctor Joe Court. Yes, K O R T. Okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. And, you know, there are people out there that say that if you're not attracted to trans women, that actually makes you a bigot. <laughs> okay. If you don't want to date a trans woman, if you... Who gets to make these rules up? These are the same people that said, ivermectin is a horse paste. How dare you take that? <laughs> you and Joe Rogan, I hope you die. And then quietly this past week, three years later... Ivermectin has been approved by the FDA. <laughs> People were right all along. Like these rule makers of society, more often than not, they're wrong. If you are somebody that is attracted to a woman and then you find out she's got balls, <laughs> that's a deal breaker. And it doesn't make you a bad person for saying that out loud. And if I'm the bad guy, then say hello to the bad guy. <laughs> Um, the question now is, will Skittles be facing a Bud Light style backlash? So Skittles new packaging, you know, Skittles, right? Taste the rainbow. The little Love candy. Skittles had some at the uh, wedding I was at. They had like a candy. They had a table full of candy and stuff for the nice. kids. Nice. I loaded up on some Skittles and Starbursts. Skittles' new packaging features a lot of BLM and LGBTQ signage and images. Oh, they're getting in on the action, huh? Their packaging also features a drag queen. So the question becomes, why is a candy designed for children so interested in sex and putting sex-related things right out there in front of their faces. Turning kid, They want to turn kids into activists right. is what it amounts to. 100% right. That's the perfect way to put it. So, will Skittles face any sort of Bud Light 
style backlash. I don't know if this story is going to get the headlines that Bud Light did. Because remember, when Bud Light switched, you had Kid Rock coming out doing a video where he's shooting up cases of Bud Light. <laughs> I forgot about that. And, and yeah. by the way, his honky-tonk in Nashville serves Bud Light still. Really? Yeah. A couple of my buddies went down there for the IndyCar race a couple weeks ago, and they sent me a picture. Well, lo and behold, look what we have here in Nashville. Bet it doesn't sell very well. No, I bet it doesn't. But he was adamant that they weren't going to sell it. Well, it's back in the stores. I have buddies that are... I have buddies that stopped drinking it, and then I have buddies that still drink it to this day, and they could care less. So I think... it. Uh, it goes both ways. Is that a bad uh, description? Well, that's kind of what Bud Light's wanting, right? Considering what we're, the subject matter we're talking about. When you partner with Dylan Mulvaney, you best believe it's going to go both ways. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. I remember okay, has this ever happened to you? And does it make you a bad parent because this happened to you? Listen to this. A three-year-old from Wisconsin woke up from a nap, put his shoes on, walked to the nearest McDonald's while his mom and twin sister were asleep in the house. Here's his mom. Her name's Marissa, and she's talking about what happened here. This little boy woke up, put his shoes on, woke up from our nap. I was asleep on the floor. Woke up from our nap, put his shoes on, and walked to McDonald's. I don't know what time he left the house. I don't know how he left the house. We all were asleep. I was asleep on the floor. We all knocked out. And he woke up and put his shoes on and went to McDonald's. It's not funny, but it's hilarious. Has this ever happened to you? Does this make you a bad parent? I will say that I know somebody that this has happened to, and they are good parents. But they had a child wake up early in the morning, one morning unlock the door and wander out on the street. A stranger brought it back. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Has not happened to us as parents. When I was little, I got out of my mom and dad's house and I walked down to grandma's house because <laughs> it was in the morning and damn it, I was wanting some pancakes. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, how old were you? A little bastard? Uh, uh, probably around the same age, I guess. Three. I mean, like I... Like, we have alarm systems in our house, and we have, you know, our doors are locked. And there's our kids, we made it so our kids couldn't actually do that, even if they tried. Right. You know, it kind of kid proofed it or toddler proofed Fort it. Fort knocks that front door. Yeah. But I don't look, there's people that get, that get arrested for stuff like that. I guess depending on the conditions of the house. Right. The circumstances. The circumstances. If you're it looks passed like out this. because you've had so much drug yes. use, yes. that's different than it was six o'clock in the morning sleeping in on a weekend. It sounds like this mom, uh, they're twins, right? So the twins, the mom was taking a nap with the twin. Everybody was taking naps. And it sounds like she's got her hands full with twins. And listen, and, you're supposed to do that. Like, you sleep when the baby sleeps. New parents. We try yeah. to teach Rob well, Kendall th- this. <laughs> three, <laughs> three years old, but still. I, you're still, trust me, I was just as tired at three years old as I was at three months old. Uh, right. When it came, comes to my kids. So, yeah. I think that, it depends on the situation. It really does. But people have gone to jail for that. Again, um, it's happened to a friends of ours. And it was scary at the time. Um, but they they were actually awoken by the stranger saying, hey, 
is this your kid? <laughs> the local drug dealer in the neighborhood knocks on the door. I got good news and I got bad news. Good news is I found your kid. Bad news is I'm out of weed. Sorry. <laughs> Imagine if that happens here in Indianapolis. You're not going to jail for that, though. Ryan Mears doesn't put severe hardcore criminals in jail, let alone folks that drop the ball like this. So there's a new poll out looking at the amount of patriotism in our country. Every once in a while, this patriotism poll comes out. I think we've talked about this before. This New York Times Siena poll found that 65% of registered voters think the country is moving in the wrong direction. 37% also say they believe the problems are so bad that America is in danger of failing as a nation. Yeah, when you talk about the southern border, our relationship with China, the fact that China has has put malware in our power grids, that, that was a story that went under the radar recently. Uh, this open border, uh, the the energy crisis. I, uh, gas is three ninety nine again. I just filled up this morning. Three quarters of a tank. Why my tank wasn't even empty. Three quarters of a tank cost me almost 80 bucks. So I assume Joe Biden's going to take responsibility for that, well, right? Well, only when it goes... If the gas were to drop a quarter, yes. There'd be a victory alert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when it goes up to three ninety nine a gallon... Huh? Well, not me. Right? No comment. Um, our strategic oil reserves are depleted. Uh, for me, it's all about borders and energy. And uh, right now, we have a president that, that cares about neither. The economy will always move the, the needle yeah. the most, I think, for me. Uh, the economy crime because i live in the city i live in indianapolis so this is a problem um and you mentioned it earlier it's a great point it's not just the elected officials it's appointed judges that allow some of these crooks some of these bad guys to get right back out on the streets and they accept these sweetheart plea deals from progressive woke prosecutors and folks that want to appear like they're all about equity and criminal justice reform. And what's funny is if you talk to our friend, Reverend Charles Harrison, I don't know how it got to be this way, but folks in the predominantly black communities don't like what's happening either. They don't like the crime in their neighborhoods. Of but not. these idiot, super woke white guys, Joe Hogsett, Ryan Mears, they want to make it look like they're appeasing the black community by going easy on folks when it comes to criminal justice. So it's funny the way things work out, man. So do you think we're failing as a nation? Are in danger? Is this, and this is a New York Times poll that loves to prop up Joe Biden. Right. But recently has been kind of tough on him, which makes me think, you know, yeah, maybe they're out of the Joe Biden business. Well, our credit know. just took a hit as yeah. a nation. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> our credit took a hit. Our grandkids, 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 grandkids are going to be in debt up to their eyeballs because of what's happening right now. But with all that going on, I still feel like this is the greatest country on earth. I feel like the rebound could happen. It's right around the corner. You're always one election away from changing the way things are. Maybe I'm a sap or an optimist, but I do feel like that. Hammer. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. And Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! 
You know, Hammer, it seems like the only news we hear about the southern border are these progressive blue Democrat mayors that are complaining that these illegal migrants are being shipped to their sanctuary cities. Remember when they all bragged about being sanctuary cities? Everybody, <laughs> come on in, come on in, come on down, like the price is right. <laughs> um, but it's still a problem down at the southern border in terms of drugs and weapons and cartels and violence. My favorite thing is, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, in Massachusetts, the local officials are begging the townspeople, if you will, to just take a couple migrants in yeah. with you. Let them move into your house. Anybody, yeah, anybody feel like taking uh, like a military-aged illegal male migrant uh, that doesn't speak any English? Anybody will? Raise your hand, anybody. Come on, guys. We have to do our part here. How about this? If you voted for this stuff, if you voted for Joe Biden, then you are the ones that have to shack up the migrants. Because everybody else is saying, we told you so. We informed you thusly. We told you this would happen. And now, because it's happening to you, all of a sudden, that talk of sanctuary cities is out yeah. the window. And it's all Joe Biden. I mean, from the day one. He, he from the, you know trying to get rid of Remain in Mexico to Title 42, to all sorts of rollbacks for the Trump administration. From the wall, things like that. I mean, it's this is all his doing. It's America last when it comes to Joe Biden. It really is. Think about some of the things that have happened in this country, okay? We talked about this earlier as well. The Hawaii wildfires. No comment from Joe Biden as he's hanging out at the beach. So bizarre. The Ohio toxic train derailment. Not really any response at all from Joe Biden. Situation at the border, not a lot of action from Joe Biden. But boy, if Zelensky needs something and Ukraine <laughs> needs something, hot damn, he's getting on the bat phone and he's going to make that happen. It's America last with Joe Biden. Now, on the subject of the border, this three-day report that came out, just a random three-day stretch at the border, just goes to show the amount of drugs that are really flowing into this country. Last week, in a three-day stretch, 957 pounds of meth Whoa. apprehended at the border, 677 pounds of cocaine, 110 pounds of fentanyl, 35 pounds of ecstasy, and 11 firearms. And that's just what was apprehended. That's what we know about. There's right. also, also a little thing called gotaways. Uh, gotaways are uh, the people that don't want to be identified, the illegals that want to be in this country to commit crime. And uh, those are in the seven-digit range. And don't forget about the weapons. Like We always tend to focus on the fentanyl and the coke and all that kind of stuff, the meth. But the weapons is really interesting to me because... It's American weapons. The drug cartels in Mexico are buying American weapons, sometimes military weapons, on the black market. I wonder where they're getting those at. 
Well, let's see. We left a crap ton over yeah. in the desert. We gave a crap ton to Zelensky in Ukraine, mm. and those end up on the black market. Where, let's be honest, the drug cartels have more money than most countries, especially the Mexican drug cartel. They can buy these types of weapons. The Rio Grande Valley Sector Border Patrol agents found a bunch of cartel weapons on the Texas bank of the Rio Grande the, last week. On the United States side? On the United Jeez. States side. Now, this is the aye, second, aye, aye. not even the first time, the second suspected armed cartel incursion incident that they've had this month. So, it's only the 14th of August today. So, every seven days, the Border Patrol agents are finding amazing weaponry purchased by the Mexican drug cartels, sometimes on the American bank side. Unbelievable. And we're going to talk to Daisy from Chicks on the Right about this coming up here in just a little yeah, she bit. She lives down there. She, she lives, lives down in Texas. Yeah. Uh, so, we'll kind of get her thoughts on what she's hearing down in her neck of the woods. Nige, the number of people charged for their connection to the January 6th attack has surpassed 1,100 now. Wow. The Justice Department making the announcement that 1,106 defendants were charged, and nearly all 50 states and Washington, D.C. were covered for their actions during the insurrection. There was like a grandma or something in Beach Grove or Southern India somewhere that got uh, charged with um, parading. Parading and trespassing were like a lot of these charges. Right. Looking at some numbers here, 967 people were charged with entering or remaining in restricted areas on federal property, which is fancy talk for basically trespassing. That's what that is. Uh, 104 entered the Capitol with, quote, dangerous weapons. And the Department of Justice says that about 64 people were charged with destruction of government property. 51 people busted for stealing. That includes the guy that had the ski hat on that stole the uh, the podium. <laughs> the podium. <laughs> Walking out, smiling at the camera. Is that guy still in jail? I mean, the guy that had his feet propped up on Pelosi's desk was just sentenced to like four years in prison. This is the world's worst insurrection. You guys are lousy at insurrection. And I was told that our government was almost brought down by a guy in a Viking hat. So yeah. we can, yeah. you know defeat these foreign countries that have weapons and planes and guns and you know all of that but a guy in a viking hat is going to be the one that brings down our freedom in this country got it uh and meanwhile by the way that that, that just reminded me so you said about 1100 people for the for uh in connection with the capital on january 6th right about 1100 yes. people have been arrested or charged or whatever that brings me back to a story we had last week or the week before 1300 people in new york city who were arrested during the uh, social justice riots are actually being paid in a settlement these are people that got arrested for either rioting or violent activity during pro- the George Floyd protests. Riots. They settled, riots, riots, yes. They said, New York City, if you remember, agreed to pay $20 million to more than 1,300 people who were arrested 
who deserve, you know, the cops spotted them doing something that made them, wait, you just threw a brick through a window? You know, you're going to jail for that. That person is going to get a payment of about $9,950. So while the, 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 the quote unquote insurrectionists are, are still being prosecuted, the BLM rioters are getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something Joe Hogsett would be in favor of. Yeah. Anytime you can take a crap all over the police department and reward people for doing bad things, that's got Joe Hogsett written all over it. The fact that there was a settlement with Drayshawn yeah. Reed's family oh, yeah. is such a slap in the face to law enforcement, law and order, and law-abiding citizens of this city. And you can't tell me that this pressure was not put on by one boss hogset, old Diamond Joe, over in the mayor's office. Because they feel like they can pressure this chief of police to do whatever they want, and the city had a settlement with the family of a guy that tried to shoot and kill a member of the police department. So this isn't just happening in New York City. This kind of crap also happens right here in Indianapolis. Crime pays. The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the DriveHubler.com hotline. Kevin Bowen is part of the morning show on 107.5 The Fan. Kevin and Query covering the Indianapolis Colts for a long time. And KB, we've got some Colts football to talk about. Now, before we get into what we saw on the field on Saturday up in Buffalo, what's the latest with Jonathan Taylor off the field? Yeah, so the expectation is he will be back at training camp this week. Again, he was off-site rehabbing for, what, the past handful of days, past week or so. Uh, but I, outside of that, to be honest with you guys, I don't think much has changed. I think both sides are extremely dug in in their respective stances. I do not expect some resolution to happen overnight. Um, we are, I think, starting to reach points of – you know, Taylor's got to practice if he wants to be ready for week one. I mean, we're, we're less than a month away from the start of the season. Um, and I think at the same time, the Colts have got to do their due diligence in trying to see what trade market there is for him. Because if you don't want to give him an extension and he wants to be moved, you aren't in a position as a franchise to create some big statement. And, you know, we're on this side of the picket line. You know, you have to make sure you get a little bit of return on him if that's where this thing is going. But, again, I, I think the saga, while it's three weeks old, or however long, probably longer than that. Um, I don't think we are nearing a resolution. So you mentioned he's going to return to the team this week. Let's say Jim Irsay plays hardball, does not give him a new contract. Is Jonathan Taylor going to be the starting running back on opening day? Well, I think that's the health question, Hammer. I mean, that, that, that's the one where, you know, if you start looking at a calendar and you think, okay, when would Taylor practice? Because he still has, I mean, he's still on the physically unable to perform list. He still hasn't been medically cleared by by the, you know, medical department to be out there. You know, that is going to be, I think, a huge part of this is you would think a guy that's dealt with this injury for, you know, nine months now and, you know, missed and had so many starts and stops to last season and missed six games that you would need multiple weeks, if not
not three or four weeks in order to be ready to go for the start of the season. Taylor is a guy that I think is, and all these guys are, but I think Taylor takes it to another level. Like, incredibly in tune with his body. And last year, I think there were moments where he didn't feel quite 100%. Maybe some guys would have pushed it. Maybe some guys wouldn't. You know, now you throw the contract situation on top of it. I don't see Taylor getting out there until he's 110%. So, given all that, that's where I think there is the element of his physical health that is all, is another storyline with all this. Kevin Bowen joining us from 107.5 The Fan. So, let's talk about the number four pick in the NFL draft, Anthony Richardson. Got the start for the Colts on Saturday, and it looked like he should have had a touchdown pass. I think that drop by Alec Pierce uh, was clear on Pierce. That wasn't a bad throw by Richardson. Kind of a mixed bag, I thought. What did you see? Yeah, I think overall for his first start, I think he had to be pretty pleased. You know, to, to me, it was how he responded from the interception. Peyton Manning always has a great line of like, you're going to encounter bad plays as a quarterback. You can't make those bad plays worse. Was that, that pick was his play. fault, KB? Because I saw no. Reggie Wayne giving an earful to that wide receiver after that play. Was that some sort of communication issue? Yeah, I think it was an issue with Isaiah McKenzie. He was the wideout that that, that Reggie was was kind of laying into. Um, but again, it's a bad play. Don't make it worse. You know, throw the ball twenty yards into the stands. Hit the guy selling beer. Don't don't try and hit. You know, or don't think you can squeeze it in there. And all of a sudden, boom, a Bills defender makes a play, or just take a sack there. And, and I think that's just all part of his growth. Um, but I think what you saw is you saw him respond pretty well. He led a couple of promising drives. They probably both should have ended in points. I don't think his teammates helped him out very much. Alex Pierce had the drop like you said Matt Gay misses a 28 yard field goal you had a big penalty in the red zone that kept you away from points as well um I thought he made a really nice throw over the middle, middle to Kylan Granson. You know, that's an area of the field where I think he struggles a little bit. You saw some inaccurate balls, a little bit more on the underneath. The ball he threw to Pierce way down the field, that is what we've seen in camp. That is him at his best. When he's throwing the ball down the field, he is really on target, nice arc, all of those things that you want to see. So, you know, I've been kind of telling people, you know, people that haven't been out to Westfield to see the Colts train, have not watched Florida or didn't watch them last year, you pretty much got the full Anthony Richardson experience on Saturday in those three series. Some up and down moments, but if you're going to have the down moment right out of the gate, let's see how you respond. And I thought he responded pretty well from that. And I have to keep on reminding myself, this is a guy that, you know, that was his 14th career start, if you want to count that as a start, (laughs) dating back to high school. So, I mean, that's a very small number for guys, you know, typically at this level. Are you happy with the uh, offensive line play? Well, the starting group was a little better than they were last year in the preseason opener. Preseason opener last year was was ugly, and it was a precursor for what we saw. Um, Depth worries me a little bit. And, you know, I think something that you have to remember about the O-line last year, it's not necessarily a good memory. They were really, really bad. But they were also really healthy. You know, it, it, when you think about bad offensive lines, it's usually you're in, like, scramble mode. You're finding guys off the streets, and they've got no cohesion together. Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith, your big three, they combined to miss just one game. That 50 of 51 games they were together for last year. So, you know, if you have normal offensive line injuries, that is what is concerning. I know O-line depth is not something that's easily achievable in the NFL, and it's hard to come by, but that is a group that if they have, start to have a couple of injuries, I think you could be 
it's in dire straits. So, KB, what's the plan for this week? Game two of the preseason. There's only three games now, and the Bears coming to Indianapolis on Saturday. Is it still Richardson? Do we know if Gardner Minshew is going to get a look with the ones? Do we know any of that yet? Yeah, so... We don't know that yet. Tomorrow they'll have their final Colt versus Colt practice, if you will, at Grand Park. And then, like you said, the joint sessions Wednesday and Thursday night with with the uh, with the Bears. So I think some things to watch. You know, to me, Richardson has shown enough that you give him the reins early on. I, I know there's going to be growing pains and ups and downs and all of that. Who cares about wins and losses? And Gardner Minshew might lead you to two more wins. whoop de do. All of it's about Richardson's development. So I think you commit to him now in practice. Again, I'm not saying that they will, but that's what I would do. And, and we'll see how that plays out the next few weeks. Obviously, the Jonathan Taylor watch continues. Does he talk? Does he practice? Any of those things? Um, that is something that I'm going to keep an eye out and then we should mention Darius Shaquille Leonard. Uh, he did play on Saturday. It was the first time we've seen seen him in a game since last November. And really, I've been pretty impressed impressed by the quantity of reps he has taken through the first couple of weeks here of camp, and that he just played the game. Now I think we start to evaluate him on the quality of those reps. Does he look like his old self? Can he play a full game? Those sorts of things, I think, are some areas to watch. What are you working on over at 107.5 The Fan? Yeah, I'll be out there for the final three practices of camp. So right there on the website, we've got camp notebooks every single day. Uh, two weeks from tomorrow is the big roster cut. So they've got 90 on their roster right now. you got to cut to 53, so we'll start to take a closer look at that. So, um, yeah, uh, that's what's up on the website right now, 107.5 The Fan. KB, you're the best. Thank you. Always enjoy, guys. Thank you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Hello, Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the DriveHubler.com hotline. She is one half of the amazing Chicks on the Right Show. Daisy joins us all the way from the great state of Texas. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Hey, before we get into anything, you know, about the candidates and Iowa and all that kind of stuff, how are things in Texas? Because a couple months back, it sounded like, you know, Greg Abbott was shipping out border crossers left and right. There was chaos at the border. It's kind of fallen out of the news cycle, but I got a feeling that a lot of that stuff is still going on. Well, a lot of it's still going on, but I think that now a lot of other cities are starting to feel the pain that we feel. Yep. Like, you know, there's that city councilman in D.C. that was whining and complaining the other day and screaming expletives and, and saying, gosh, I wish we could get the National Guard in here because we're in this, you know, like all these migrants are here, you guys, and it's <laughs> terrible. And it's like, and all of us Texans are down here going, really? Like, welcome to the party, pal. So... That's kind of where we're at down here. As we're starting to go, now they're starting to feel some of the pain that we've been feeling for years. So, you know, the, yeah. what, what I've seen in the news cycle is liberal, progressive, Democrat mayors who have bragged about their uh, sanctuary city status. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Now, the mayor of New York City, Adams, is sending flyers down to Texas telling these illegal migrants do not come to New York City. Yeah, it's really interesting. And you haven't seen Adams take one of those people into his home. You haven't seen any of those liberals 
girls who are bleeding hearts. Like, where's AOC? Where's AOC in her white suits crying, trying to get a photo op now? You know, it's like, where are all those people? And all the liberal celebrities who were talking about kids in cages, they're all like weirdly silent now. Don't you all think that's interesting? Mm. And on top of that, I'd like to know where all the liberals are, all the people who voted for these policies. Why aren't they taking these people into their homes? Because you know these people have guest rooms. Right. So why aren't they taking them in? And I've seen another border state is Arizona, uh, Kirsten Sinema. She came out and she was spitting fire at the concept of all of these tax dollars being sent to New York to deal with the migrant crisis. Why isn't that money actually being used at the border? You're right. Absolutely. It's outrageous, especially since, you know, it, we're the ones who have been talking about this stuff forever. And then they, they turn around, and they call us racist and xenophobes and all of these things. I mean, I actually went to a, um, I don't know, I guess you'd call it a rally. Um, this is back around the midterms. I went to a, a thing, a little talk that Beto gave because I wanted to see, you know, what just what Beto was all about. This is what I do. I'm a, I'm a masochist, you guys. Yeah, I like it. And I feel <laughs> some of it. And I want. And I wanted to see like what are the what these people because it was a very small town here. It's about did you lose a bet? <laughs> well, no, I did. I just I honestly just wanted to show up as a Republican. I wanted to show up and see like what some of these loonies do at some of these like quote rallies for people like Beto. And and they talked a lot about the border and like there are people in Texas who support people like Beto and they think that his policies would actually be good in a place like Texas. So I just I'm curious. I'm weird like that. I like to see like what the other side thinks. How the you know I guess what people would say. Like what, how the enemy thinks and what they. So I like to see what these people believe. And there are people who think that his policies would be great, that they think open borders are great. There are people who live in Texas who believe this way, wow. believe it or not. And I think some of those people are transplants from other states and other places that they get here. And it's like it's that is not the right way to you know deal with this. I think that they believe that they're being benevolent. They think that they're being you know good people by by you know believing in these policies, but it's not good for those people. It's not good for our country. It's okay to have to, to be law-abiding and to have rules for this stuff. You know, it's kind of like Mock and I, Miriam and I talk about this a lot on our show. Her parents were um, first-generation Polish immigrants. They came into this country legally. And that is what we, as conservatives, that's what we're for. We're, we love immigrants. You know, we're a nation of immigrants. We want immigration, but we want it to be legal. And that is one of the things that we have to, you know, reiterate over and over again to people. Let's go back to the Beto rally, because I can't get past the <laughs> Beto rally here. I know you, Daisy. You are a woman in demand. You deliver speeches. You're writing things online. You're hosting shows. You love your family. You're going to swim meets and hanging out. What did you cancel on your schedule to attend the Beto rally? Well, it's funny. It's probably like just gardening that day. It was probably just like one of those days where I just had maybe like a couple hours off. It, it was 20 miles away at a, at a town called Marlin. Oof. And I just, and I wanted to go see like what he was all about. And I got to tell you, these people are bat crap, y'all. Like some of these people that go to these rallies. I mean, it's just, and it's just so, it's, I think what it showed me is how polar opposite um, I am from a lot of people in my own country. And I think I left 
feeling um, really disillusioned. I was like, gosh, wow. I really want, I want a divorce. Because <laughs> some of these people, just, they just think so differently than I do. You know? And I could and just so see nobody... your young daughter looking up at you. Mommy, where are you going? I'm going to a beta rally. A beta I thought you rally. loved me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Tears uh, coming out of her eyes. It just, it just, it just makes you realize how, how differently, how differently you think from a lot of these people. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like it, it was nuts. It was completely nuts. Yeah. Chatting with Amy Joe from the Chicks on the Right program. Um, so it was a crazy weekend in Iowa. Uh, Donald Trump was there. Wasn't there very long, but had a little rally. Did a buzz the tower kind of thing with his plane over the DeSantis event. Uh, you've got Ramaswamy on the stage rapping to Eminem's "Lose Yourself." Are we at the silly, ridiculous stage of campaign season yes. here? Yes, we're so there. I mean, like, listen, I. Honestly, I didn't think, I thought it was somewhat endearing that he rapped the Vivek rap. I think he used to be like a stand-up comic or something like that. Like in his form, he's done every, the guy has done everything, but I have, I have adult kids, right? I mean, I have kids who, I have a 13-year-old and I also have, you know, a 33-year-old and a 29-year-old. So I get, try to get the pulse of the, the older kids and I'm like, so what do you think about this? And they love Vivek. So they think that this is not, I mean, I don't think they'd necessarily say this is so cool, but they didn't see it as being completely cringe. They just thought it was sort of, yeah, it's fine. It's endearing. It's whatever. They really like him because of his policies. They think he's cool because he's not 80, you know? Right. So they like they like him for that reason. They like him for his policies. They think that he's a he's a guy that will talk to anybody. Like there's some chick. I think it was it may have even been at um, when he was there in Iowa, where she was a pansexual and she was trying to she was saying she was pansexual and I think she was trying to bait him into some awful conversation. And he was, you know, actually really sweet. I think that for lack of a better you know <laughs> word, but he was very sweet to sit and and talk to her and engage her in conversation and he's just he's very down to earth with people he doesn't he's not off putting he's not like get this person out of here I don't want to talk to them he will talk to anybody I mean he's talked to us the, the chicks he's he sat down to talk to us at CPAC I mean he's he will he will talk to literally anybody and everybody and I just I think that that is to his you know it, it's it's to the he's, he's it's a very positive thing about him. You know, I think funny, that's really I, awesome. It is funny. Hammer and I do joke around about Vivek a little bit. That he is kind of running a pro-Trump campaign. Like right. He, right. His right. whole campaign is about how awesome Trump is. <laughs> well, he may be his running mate. You know, he said, I don't want to be a VP for anybody, but you know what? I don't believe any uh, whatever anybody says. In a, he could very well be Trump's VP. Would that not be an awesome ticket, though, to have him and Trump running? Because he would, uh, he would bring in some of the millennials. Absolutely. It's not a terrible idea for Trump, you know? It definitely would beat Pence, don't you think? Alright, so rank <laughs> these potential running mates because I've I've seen the same type of story with Christy Nome too. So Tim Scott, assuming his presidential run ultimately fizzles out, Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Christy Nome. Yeah. Um are you asking which one I prefer? Yes. Which one do you think makes the most sense for Donald Trump? I think if Vivek would do it, I think Vivek would be the the best. I think he would be I think that would be a, an amazing ticket. I love Christina, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love her. I think she's great. But I think Vivek would we right now we we really have to think about at least the GOP, which I don't think they think about at all because I think the the RNC is completely useless at this point. They need to think about the young vote. 
and that that Gen Z slash millennial vote. And they're not thinking about that. They just don't have that at the front of the mind. And they need to be because it's kind of like back in 08 when when Mock and I started our site, 08, 09, that that whole rock star Obama thing was, you know, a, that was a big thing. The kids were huge when it comes to I see the kids. I mean, I, I feel like an old lady. I'm shaking my rake, but it's true. <laughs> it's like a it's a voting block that I don't think people really take into consideration. They underestimate it. And this time around, I think that we're underestimating that voting block huge and we need to got about a minute left here uh, with Amy Joe, one half of the chicks on the right so country music listeners they're on a bit of a heater right now so they are refusing to let these fake country stars hijack their music Uh, CMT didn't want to play the Jason Aldean video and their numbers have gone down meanwhile Jason Aldean went to the top of the charts now some random dude is number one on the country charts because he's legit country and he's talking about all the crooks in Washington, D.C. Again, you're down in Texas, a place where you'll get a little bit of rock and a little bit of country music. I'm curious as to what you think is happening with country music fans. I think it's awesome. They're revolting. They're saying, you, you don't tell us what country is because we know country because we are country. This guy, is, I think his name is Oliver Anthony. Mm-hmm. And he wrote, and the song is Rich Man North of Richmond, I believe. And he just got signed by John Rich. Um, this guy is a, a farmer. I mean, he's a legit farmer. He lives on like a 90-acre farm in Virginia. He's got three dogs. He's like, he's legit. And I love it. I love his story. He is. He represents us. He represents real country people, real rural people, American people. And that's what people want out of country music. And people are going to start, um, they're going to start rep- saying we want to be represented by, you know, like our, our dollars. And they're going to start, they're, they don't want big companies to say who we're going to listen to. We're going to listen to who we want to listen to, you know? Got and it. he's the kind of guy. And, and the song is great. Have you guys have not, oh, if yeah. you've not heard it, listen to it. It's a fantastic song. It's really moving. It's wonderful. I mean, you see like Luke Bryan twerking on stage and you see this guy (laughs) and it's hard to believe both of those fall into the country genre, you know? Right. This is, this is real country. This is real. It's kind of like the, I like the old country. This reminds me of a lot of that old, the real like Johnny Cash kind of country. It's not the, the glitter, you know, boy band country. And and you can bet mainstream liberal progressive media is combing through this guy's path, looking for anything to disparage him. Just read it. Just look at Rolling Stone. They're like ripping him on Twitter today, and they hate it because they're not controlling the narrative, and you know, they can suck it. <laughs> and on that note, yeah. we will talk to you next week. Daisy, you're the All best. Right, you Thank you. Have a great one. Bye. And it takes me back to a simpler place in time. All right. The uh, Moonshine Mondays here on the Hammer and Nigel show, where we sample some moonshine live on the air. I can't imagine moonshine is really on the diet for you when you're counting those calories and your weight loss challenge with Rob Kendall. This is just another couple minutes on the old elliptical, Nige. That's all this is right here. So is this? So during the week, are you cutting all empty calories in terms of alcohol out, except for beer sample Friday and Moonshine Monday? 
Oh, no. Oh, come on. Really? No, but (laughs) I'm pointing everything out. So if I'm going to have a beer or some moonshine, that means I've got to scale back on something else every day. Oh, okay. Or I go to the gym, get some steps in, get a workout in, and get a few extra calories I can play with. Cool. Now, uh, we've got breaking news. I just spilled a lot of the moonshine on myself. You peed your pants. I thought you just got back from the bathroom. (laughs) Look, everybody. Billy peed his pants. (laughs) Uh, What's left in the cup is from... Sugarlands Shine. Again, they brought us a punch of moonshine. A, a treasure trove. Now, I'm a baseball guy, so I know who this is. Nige, are you familiar with uh, this player here? Chipper Jones Sweet Tea Moonshine? Chipper Jones from the Sweet Tea Moonshine. Uh, he was an Atlanta Brave best known as. Uh, Big rival to the New York Mets. Uh, One of the great Braves of all time. So cheers, my friend. Moonshine Monday. Sweet tea moonshine. Wow. Boy. That's how they do it down Mm. south. That's That's how they do it down south. I can taste the tea, but I can taste the tang, too. (laughs) (laughs) 